0: For as long as we have lived, for as long as we have known, love has carried us. You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at www.genesiscov.org. Enjoy the teaching in it together. Uh, my name is Steve. Also, and uh, a couple things before we start, uh, I just want to hear uh, how was that to go through that uh, imaginative journey uh, with these two, with you and your friend, uh, on the way to seeing Jesus. How was that? Just feed back to me. What is are... awesome. awesome? Thank cool. Yeah, yeah. Nostalgic. Yeah. Connective, Thanks, Bob. Yeah, right, Dan? Pleasant surprise. Steve told me he was going to do it, and I was like, oh, that sounds really cool, but I wasn't totally prepared for my own reaction to it. Uh, I, I, I cried. That picture of Jesus looking up at me and my little 10-year-old buddy, uh, the rapscallions. Also, that was delicious right there. Uh you wondering what bingo is, some people put together some cards with frequently used words and phrases at Genesis, like, delicious, all play, anybody need anything, stuff like that. So if you, if you want a bingo card, I don't know where you can get it, but I'm sure there are some dealers that would, that would help you get that. I honestly don't know where to get it. <laughs> He's kind of fun, though. So I guess we'll find out if, if there's ever a bingo, I guess, I guess we'll find out. Um, thank you, Steve. I thought it was just sweet, very sweet, and delicious, and juicy. See, don't you wish we were playing bingo? <laughs> know who you are. Um, so it's our second week in, at this, in this building, and there are more people in here than I thought there would be. I thought the first week, you know, hey, everyone's going to check it out. And the next week, there'd be three or four of you. But um, <laughs> how's it going so far? Honestly, it's a big change from Sabus. Uh, from but how, how are you feeling about it? Good? OK, Addy, thanks. Changes, is, takes time. Anxious. Thanks, Amber. Exciting! Thanks, Burley. Yeah, the sound is, Sarah said she loves how we all sound in here, and that is true. I mean, this is built for sound, built for us to hear each other, not just what's going on up here, which is kind of fun, right? Love it. It's Pretty awesome, isn't it, Nate? Yeah, you guys go to... Pig ate my pizza, Wicked Wart, Marnas Cafe, Costa Rican food, amazing, delicious. Larissa and I went a couple weeks ago, and we were just blown away. So check it out. This is Robbinsdale, jewel of the Twin Cities, as Steve and Heidi like to call it. Okay, are we ready to dive in, shall we? Uh, can, we can I pray before we uh, dive into the talk? God, thank you for your mercy, your grace. Um, and your presence, and we're, we're grateful for you and your, your joy at just being with us. Amen. All right, one more thing I want to say is that um, I, I, was, I was challenged to a sword duel Friday night, with a little 14-year-old boy, and I couldn't say no, so he pulled out these two foam swords, and we went at it, and he was serious, man. And I was like, how hard are we going to hit each other? Which really I meant, how hard are you going to hit me? Right, and so we had fun, but then he did—he did hit me in the eye. <laughs> so, have a little bit of an eye issue. So, if you get close to me, you're gonna see like my eye looks wrong. Um, the doctors uh, have convinced me that it's gonna be fine though. So, I'm okay. No eye patch though. I couldn't do it because that's the peripheral vision. I would probably fall down. I would get dizzy. So, um, there is that. Okay, this psalm is right after uh, David, King David, but he wasn't king yet, was in this really hard season of life. Saul was trying to kill him. He was estranged from his best, best friend, Jonathan, and he had just had to humiliate himself in front of this king uh, called Ahith by pretending he was crazy and having drool go down his beard and, and like this, this guy who was very strong and very put together had to uh, really humiliate himself. And then he fled to the caves of Adalom, and it's there where he writes this psalm. And it's a psalm full of lament. And uh, this is what 1 Samuel 22, this is how for Samuel 22 describes what's going on for David right now. So David escaped to the cave of Adullam, where his brothers and his father, all his father's house heard of it, and they went down to be there with him. And everyone who was in distress everyone who was in debt and everyone who was disconcerted gathered to him, and he became captain over them. And those who were with them there in the cave numbered about 400. Now, uh, what's it like if you are the king-elect of Israel, but you are now sitting in a cave surrounded by depressed people? People who are in debt, which I think is sort of a funny, like, like depressed, yeah, I get it, anxious, yeah, in debt. <laughs> they all went to David. That's an all play. What's it like to be surrounded by people who have lots of need if you are David? Overwhelming. Yes. Intense, Ryan, for sure. What else? exhausting, depressing. Remember, he's running for his life himself. So he's in no high spirits. Here's another all play. Why do you think they gathered to him? And how did they find him? They were also running. So you think people who are running and in distress, depressed, it's like they know maybe how to find each other, even though there's no email blast. And I think Jesus was like that, too. People who were in need just found a way because it got around. Hey, he's safe. David became safe for these guys. Now, it's interesting. The word distress is a Hebrew word, matzak. It means narrow place. Same word, uh, mitzahim, is Egypt also called the narrow place. So it's like the writer is saying the people that were in their own kind of Egypt, enslaved to whatever they were enslaved into, that's who were gathered around David, enslaved people. And that's, I think, why uh, many times Jesus is called the son of David. Um, discontented is a word, a Hebrew word, mar. It means bitter, chafed or angry, I like that word, chafed. I am chafed. People who are ticked off at the system are gathered around David. So what do you think their evening conversations were like? That's an all play. Distressing, maybe a little cynical, right? Toxic, passionate. Heated. Searching. Are we, when are we going to eat? Yeah, someone's got to make dinner. Who's going to make dinner? It was a place where you could probably ask your questions, right? Your deep questions that didn't get any airplay anywhere else. It was a place where you could air what was wrong. And everyone else is so filled up with what was wrong too that no one judged you for it. Cave of Adalom was a place where you could be real with what was really wrong with your own life and with the system. But I thought it might be helpful to provide a little space. Every once in a while at Genesis, we do uh, uh, praise, protest, or what's the third one? Pain or protest. So this, this is a time where, like just in a word or two, maybe a time to voice, what, what's wrong right now in our world? Just, just a word or two. And you know what? I want to just make it real clear. In this room, politically, we have people all over the beautiful spectrum. In terms of theology, all over the beautiful spectrum. Okay? So just know that. And having said that, what are some things wrong in the world right now? What are some things that keep you up at night, make you angry, chafe you? Divisiveness, yeah. see a lot of that. Fear, yep. Pain. Oh, hate. Got it. Selfishness. Manipulation and you can get a little more specific if you'd like to. I mean it's okay. I mean let's not demonize any person, please, but we can get more specific if you want to, and I don't wanna interrupt the good flow, but immigration, got it. Lack of basic needs, water. Say it louder, Shan. Flint still doesn't have clean water, Michigan. Taking advantage of those with no voice. Say louder. Environmental degradation. Thanks, Chuck. Spreading of fear. Yep, Anne. Abuse. Sexual abuse. Thanks, Linnea. Yeah. Suffering, yeah. Ryan. Connected by, connected by technology, but isolated. I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about, but yes. <laughs> oh, I totally. Oh, my gosh. That's huge right now. What else? Lack of compassion, Peter. Thanks. Misunderstood Kindness. Racism, cancer, toxic masculinity. Thanks, Becca. Tradition versus biblical. So good. Yeah, Bob. Our country controls about 85% of the wealth. And we generally keep it. Or we, we we spend a lot of time trying to how to trying to find ways to keep it. I was on a walk this week, and um, up ahead I saw this teenage girl walking her dog, probably 500 yards ahead, and um, she was on her phone, and then you know she would yank her dog, and then you know stop with the dog. And so I was sort of uh, I was walking, but I was closing the gap. And she looked back, and she saw me walking, you know, toward her, and then she started walking faster. And then she started jogging, you know. And I was like, oh. So I actually turned around and walked the other way because I didn't want her to worry. But that's the world we live in where you're walking, your dog, and there's a stranger, a strange guy behind you, um, and it's not safe. And I thought, that's not, that's not right. Now, I had, of course, no ill, and Ill harm for her, but she didn't know that. So, we, I want you to hear this psalm again. I mean, it's, or, or part of it anyway. Um, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. So, into all these uh, words and phrases, things that are wrong with the world, what are we hoping for? Right? According to the psalm, we're hoping that God would hear the cries of the people, that God would do something about the evil and the evildoers, that God would save the brokenhearted and draw near to them, that the righteous would be rescued, and that there would be condemnation for the wicked and redemption for the righteous. And I think there's a couple ways to read this psalm in terms of justice, right? What is justice? And when you read the psalm, it's pretty easy to kind of, well, there's the righteous and there's the wicked. And we want God to move toward the righteous, who are getting oppressed, and to condemn the wicked. That's what seems to be pretty clear in the psalm. And um, but there's another way of looking at it, that um, that there's righteousness and wickedness in me, and that God would set the righteousness free, so that. In me, righteousness would be more and more evident. And in me, wickedness, sin, would be less and less, have less and less power over me. Um, So the Western church, which we are all a part of, uh, separated from the Eastern church a little over 1,200 years ago. And in the West, we believe that uh, heaven and hell, heaven is for people who are forgiven, and that's with God, and hell is a place of absence of God for the wicked, right? That's that's what we believe. Two different places, and where you go depends on the state of your soul. But the Eastern Church believes that the judgment of God comes to everybody, and it's a fire. And that fire burns off all that's evil, all that's unrighteous, all that's impure, well, the only thing that's left is that which is true and pure and of God and good. And that in terms of the afterlife, it's just the presence of God. And if you love love, you're going to love the afterlife. And if you hate love, you're going to hate the afterlife. That's what the Eastern Church believes. It's a very different Model. I'm not here to say what's right or wrong, I'm just here to say that this idea of total separation and total presence, two totally different places, is one way of looking at justice and judgment. But there's another way where we, are, we can pray for the justice and judgment of God as a gift that would burn away everything that's impure in me, and that's part of the system that I'm railing against. And so, uh, in Mark 9, it's really interesting, Jesus says this thing, if your foot causes you to downfall, cut it off, because it's better to, you know, not, it's better to go into eternity with only one foot and be with God than than not. And you know, so Jesus has a little bit of a wink and a nod, You, you guys all know that's not to be taken literally, right, he's trying to say something else, he's trying to say, Oh, this, this theology of eye for an eye has maybe gone too far. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, which almost happened to me this week, so that was fun. Because um, it's better to go and do, turn into eternity with one eye. He's trying to make people go, okay, that's kind of a messed up system. That the best we could do is gouge out our eye if it causes us to sin. Because everybody knows, if you think about it, I can sin with my eyes closed. Amen? So can you. If my foot's going to take me to some place where I shouldn't be, you've got to know I'm going to get a car and go there. Jesus is saying there's more to this system. And then he says right after those two, the foot and the eye, for everyone will be salted with fire. Now, what is the word salt in the the New Testament for? Remember, first century, no refrigeration. Preservation. So read it that way. Everyone will be preserved with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its flavor, how can you preserve anything? And I've been taught my whole life that what that means is Christians need to be salty around their non-christian friends they need to be you know like hey i'm i have i have the presence of christ in my life and that means i'm doing great and not anxious and i'm you, know, you can come to me with all kinds of questions i'll have the answers for you because i'm salty i'll preserve you but now i don't think there's anything wrong with having the presence of christ in your life and having that radiate to people i think that would be a beautiful gift But guess what? You're actually, you don't preserve anybody. Salt, in this sense, is fire. It's it's judgment that burns off all that is impure so that only love remains. Salt is good, but if it loses its flavor, how can you preserve anything? Meaning, if you take away the fire of your own life, then you're going to be saying everyone else is at fault for this crazy system instead of me. Instead of saying, gosh, I'm I'm, I'm a part of it somehow, and I want to join God's good work of creating new beginnings. And part of that might be allowing God to burn out what is impure in me. Now, if Jesus really is the way Steve suggested that he was in his story. What would that process be like for you? To have yourself be preserved by fire? How would that process be? I'll play. Liberating. Thanks, Nate. I think it would be. Elijah said, I have to admit it, being burned by fire would be scary. So kids out there, we're talking metaphor. Metaphor is it's like a fire, not an actual fire, but it's like. Sometimes metaphor is hard for all of us. You might lose some things you liked. Yeah, Jenny, I agree. I agree with that. What else? The hardest and the best work that you ever do. Thanks, Jenny. I tend to agree. Yeah. Ah. Joan is saying it's really hard to know how much is too much. Right, so I think this is where the beautiful verse that says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. That um, we really need to God loves us. Jesus actually, like, bends down to our level and says, "How much longer are you going to need that thing in your life that is a substitute?" but it's not really giving you what you need. And you might say, I need two more years. (laughs) And I think, honestly, I think Jesus goes, okay, well, let's walk together then. Okay, we can walk together. We can be together in that. You know, versus hellfire, brimstone, judgment, damnation, condemnation. I think Jesus is real patient with our honesty Like, if you were to say that thing that is in your mind right now, I mean, I'm not ready. I think Jesus would want to start a conversation with you. Okay. What would ready feel like? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Maybe Jesus would say, tell me more. Um. (laughs) So hear this as I close. Hear this psalm um, with the language of true self and false self instead of righteous and wicked. Okay? The true self is the self that God created. It's the self that's hidden with Christ in God. It's your truest essence. It can never be taken away from you. It's who you actually are. It is loved and safe and redeemed, forgiven by God. It's who you actually are. Now, it's maybe hiding. And your false self is that image that you created, that you needed to create when you were a kid or sometime to be safe. And it served its purpose. It really, it really protected you. It was a good, your false self, that image, that covering, you, you needed it for a while because without it, your environment wasn't going to be safe. But now, maybe you don't need it. Maybe it served its purpose. Maybe the true self, the one that's hidden with Christ in God, can emerge. So listen to the psalm with the language of true self and false self. And then we'll go into the prayers of confession. The eyes of the Lord are on the true self, and his ears are open to its cry. The face of the Lord is against the false self to cut off the remembrance of it from the earth. When the true self cries for help, the Lord hears and rescues it from all its troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the true self, but the Lord rescues it from them all. He keeps all its bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil brings death to the false self. And those who hate the true self will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of the true self. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So, community of Genesis, let's stand up against the injustices of the world. Let's stand up against what is not right in the world. And we can do so without demonizing people because once we understand true self and false self, we, under, we start to get compassion for people who are really stuck. Amen? For people who don't see things the way we do, and we can move into a more expansive way of being.